show five share fam i'm aj and this is michael and wherever it is you get your pods subscribe share and leave us a good rating Welcome to another episode of Five Stripe Weekly, and it is the off-season, as we all know, and unfortunately, but yes, the MLS Cup playoffs are still happening, but we thought it was an apropos time to get into the 2023 season review, and we will recap what our favorite moments were, favorite players... Uh, best attackers, best defenders later in the episode. But first off, we have to thank our lovely Patreon members. And uh, let's start off with uh, Gavin Marshall, Jordan Beck, Nal Faruqi, Andrew Rowicki, Ariel Costa, and Chris James. Shouts out to you guys. But uh, yes, as well, we are on the road to 10k subs, so help a brother out. Don't be a freeloader, and if you are new around here, make sure to subscribe. But uh, let's get into those news then. And first up is that Yorgos Yakomakis and Tiago Mata, Tiago Ahumada, rather, uh, they have been named into the 2023 MLS Best 11, the best attacking duo in the league for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know. Absolutely. When you have Tiago Mata uh, in the conversation for MVP and Yorgos Yakomakis as well in the conversation for the Golden Boot. And uh, yeah, just the sheer numbers that they were putting up all season. It's very much well-deserved. But uh, does it put a little bit of a damper on our playoff run? Should we have done better? What do you think, Mike? Um, no, not yet. They didn't have the accompaniments in order to shine as brightly as they're supposed to. Um, they're a great. There are two great pieces to build a team around, um, and I think that when you get that complement in next season, um, you may start to see a lot more firepower come from these guys, uh, including our wingers, including our midfield. Um, you might even start to see some midfielders scoring, like Darlington Nagby likes to do. Uh, if we can get a solid uh, DP in the midfield to back up Tristan and things like that, so um, looking forward to that. Again, this is this is a great. These are two great bricks to build an incredible. Uh, I don't know what to call it. Foundation. Foundation. I was gonna say castle, because uh, I'm castle. one of the things in my head right now is turning the bends into a fortress again. So. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, yeah, the crux of it is that you need building blocks. And, yeah, these are two of the best in the league for sure. Uh, Maybe, you know, already being courted by some European clubs. But the at least the paper talk is saying that Thiago Almada uh, is staying for 2024. And Yorgos Yakomakis, I mean, getting some interest, but... You know, he wanted to be the man, essentially. He's talked about being, you know, the guy. And he's, you know, being able to get, you know, get that here, I think. Uh, the ability to be, like, you know, the goal scorer. Like, especially just the raw numbers that he had in the league. I think it's a, it's a no-brainer that he would stay. But stranger things have happened, but uh, hopefully not. Hopefully we can, you know really build on these two key cogs in this side but uh as well uh 
you know, we alluded to that MVP race talk. Well, unfortunately, Tago Mata, he lost out to FC Cincy's Lucho Ocasta. And yes, he uh, was placed in third in the votes. And I mean, I think it's it's warranted, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like the supporter shield winners, uh, as well as yeah, Acosta having 17 goals and 14 assists. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Almada had a really great season, but probably the deserved winner yeah. is Acosta. Yeah, it did, it did. And uh, I mean, it's just like Almada though; uh, he got six percent of the votes. Denny Buwanga, he got 15%, and Lucho Acosta got a whopping 60%. Yeah, I mean, if uh, if we had won Supporter Shield, maybe. Maybe, uh, you know, there might be a good shout, because Almada did lead the league in assists, but, yeah, ultimately. Uh, yeah, we would win a lot of things if we were good. So. I know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, fair point, fair point, but... uh. Yeah, man, uh, it's, uh, I think it just ups the profile of Amada, though, across, uh, you know, the world, so it's never a bad thing, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we will definitely look to an MVP caliber season next season as well, hopefully he can stay the entire season, but we will see, but, uh, yeah, next bit of news is that, uh, Efren Morales, the homegrown, he has been re-signed, the Suwani native. He has an extension through the 2024 season with an option for the 2025 and 2026 seasons. So yeah, center back, uh, also being called up for his national team as well. Yeah, he's been showing out for the twos, and yeah, you know, he seems like a player that, uh, along with Noah Cobb, are a couple of young you know, prospects that will be able to allow LA United to maybe miss Miles Robinson a little less. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that those are big shoes to fill. And, uh, you know, the last person that maybe had uh, the shoes of the air to that throne, I guess, uh, for a lack of a coherent metaphor, uh, was George Campbell. And obviously he was sold off promptly to Montreal. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's not unprecedented that we can maybe have somebody that comes from the academy to be able to, you know, kind of uh, refill the coffers. But, yeah, after Morales, uh, you know, I think more homegrowns that are uh, coming out of our system, you know, I think, yeah, we're, we're seeing the fruits of our labor right now with, uh, you know, kind of how it started which there weren't very many academy players, but now you know, with Caleb Wiley, with Noah Cobb, with you know some of the other guys as well, it's uh it's not a bad shout that uh you know we're churning some uh, very talented players. But uh, okay, what what's your take on Efren Morales? I mean, I'm you know you said basically all of it, um, but my my opinion in general in terms of the twos and guys coming from the academy. Um, is that for me, their bare minimum is to be serviceable in MLS, at least for us. And then when they move on, kind of like the George Campbell type scenario, um, I think it's, you know, more rare to get like 
a really solid homegrown or something like that out of like uh, like a Caleb Wiley or something, that's you know just you know uh, that's excess. That's playing with house money. That's like great that you can have a player like him. Caleb is amazing. So that's that's really great. Um, you know we've had a couple of guys who had decent success overseas and things like that. It's you know um, it's. It's at least having a serviceable guy come through our ranks every once in a while is very, very good, and it's the minimum kind of expectation I have. And then if it goes any further than that, I think that that's just amazing. Obviously, the expectation for the future is, and for the academy to grow, get more prestigious, is to be able to do more than that, to increase the expectation. However, at this point, I like how, I think we're beating expectations. We're doing really, really well. And then maybe five, ten years from now, we're really churning out some internationally known, well-established players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, obviously the the benchmark, maybe the uh, the ones that set the example, FC Dallas, and uh, yeah, they've they've churned out some incredible players, obviously. Right. And yeah, I mean, you know, least to say, Weston McKinney, who, uh, yeah, I mean. He's played at some of the biggest teams, so it's yeah. If we can do that, uh, obviously, well, you know, a lot of fans will still be salty because yeah, you know, there's there hasn't been a lot of uh, continuity, I guess, with the uh, the players. So you know, that's a biggest distractor, I think, for a lot of the casual fans. It makes a lot of sense. So yeah, you know, it's one of those like. Kind of makes you think of like, okay, yes, how long is Caleb Wiley going to be here? That type of thing. And yeah, of course, we will just find out. But great for Ephraim Morales. It's even more and... difficult because of the fact that Caleb's been here in his mind for, for forever. Because he's been here since the Academy. Sure. So for him, I wouldn't be surprised if he's chomping at the bit to, to you know, in his mind, like, okay, I've done my, I've taken the grenades in the trenches, so let's move on, right? But, mm. um, and I wouldn't blame him for that whatsoever. Of course, that's the goal, right? But like, mm -hmm. like you said, the fans only known him some, since he started playing in the first team. So their time with him is less. So mm -hmm. when he moves on, you know, there might be a discrepancy with the way he see things and way fancy things. And it, you know, it's sure. exacerbated even more by the fact that American fans are a little bit more like, used to players sticking around for longer contracts. Oh yeah. That's the thing. I mean, uh, hopefully Caleb Wiley has, has a maybe uh, onus to want to win trophies with his hometown club. And I think so. I mean, yeah. I think there's a very competitive bone in his, in his body or bones. Uh, evident, like yeah, just any time he uh, he goes up against the best player on the opposite team, like he doesn't back down and he will not shy away from it. So, very very big shot. I think that he's probably uh, you know if anybody going to uh, yeah really find himself at a big club in Europe. But uh, moving on from that. Ozzy Alonso, uh, he said his goodbyes. Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, there were a bunch of players that we mentioned last week that uh, got the the old the old thank you from LA United's uh, social media team. <laughs> the old heave ho, exactly. And uh, yeah, but Ozzy Alonso, he says thank you very much for everything on X, and uh, you know, so 
it kind of bookends a tumultuous time for him. Uh, and yeah, he did post like four pictures of him playing, uh, which I feel like were the only games that he played. Right. The four times that he uh, was in uniform, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a tale of what could have been, you know, like it's. And he didn't get just... a chance to wear the four hundred four, did he? No, oh, he sad. didn't. Sad. Exactly. It is. It is. But it, you know, he's that player that man. If he had stayed healthy, like those beginnings to the seasons, like when he was in there, like mm-hmm. it's. <laughs> He showed a lot of, a lot of what maybe we were missing, and uh, what Sosa and Abara weren't able to do. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a really big shame because I think he would have been a pretty key cog to be able to kind of make that into, you know, a midfield that was coherent. <laughs> but fate was not at hand here, unfortunately. But. Yeah, thank you, Ozzy Alonso. Though uh, you know, I have a feeling though. Will he become a coach, or will he become, you know, will he continue to play? But either way, would you take him as a coach on LA United? I I don't know enough about his ability to be a coach. I think he's, mm-hmm. pro- I mean. He's one of the more cerebral players, I think, when I was hearing about how Seattle described him in the midfield. Um, mm-hmm. You know, very smart guy. So there's potential there. Um, I mean, if Pineda rates him as an intellectual, I would I would probably give him a shout. Um, so, you know, that's where I'd go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally good shout. Um, okay, well, let's see. Um, that is the... That is the news, but let's get into the mailbag and you guys sent in these questions through IG Story. Please continue to do so and we might answer your question in the future. But first question comes from uh, Spunpedo. Yes, how come LAFC and Columbus turned around so quick? We are on year number four. I would assume year number four of him saying that we are maybe mediocre or on a rebuild but uh yeah what what, what do you think like why have they been able to uh, you know kind of turn maybe some of the downturn years into you know pretty decent playoff runs that can continue into the MLS Cup final if uh, everything goes right for them i mean the simple answer shortcut to this is they signed good players uh you know they had front office and they had a scouting division they had people looking to build a team in a certain way and they did it and they found good players that are willing to you know put it all in for them and so you're seeing the results of that a smart roster build is really what it is and unfortunately United hasn't had that for a while and I think we went out and got the guy who's is he's like the uh, the smart roster build guy of the league. So hopefully, that means we'll see we'll start to see that as well for us. Um, so I think we are at the cusp of a turnaround, as you put it. So um, so yeah, I expect to start seeing that. I mean, we already I believe are with you know the addition of Tristan Zande and Saba um, and Yorgos. So 
I think we're seeing it, and I think we'll see a lot more of it next season as well. Good show. I mean, um, yeah, it's it's one of those like these clubs obviously are, are well backed as well, uh, and as are we, and so the difference for us should not take that long. But uh, yeah, ultimately, like Mike is saying, is that yeah, I mean, you know, you get the executives that can you know that have engineered uh, retooling every season really well. Yeah, that's that's what you got to do, and yeah, I think uh, we're 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 it, like we're trending in the right direction. I would say in that uh, in that regard, and so hopefully, maybe that uh, that coincides with a deep playoff run next season. But uh, next question comes from the Two Spikes podcast. Do you think this season was a success? No, oh, that's a good question. Yeah, it's a great question, which we will answer in the next segment. But, uh, but yes, definitely, uh, you know, we'll jump the gun on that. But, uh, yeah, we will definitely answer that question in this next segment. Uh, okay, next question comes from YoPro20ATL. What game showed our downfall in the 2023 season? Ooh. What game showed our downfall? I don't know if it was one game was a downfall. I think it's a death by a thousand cuts type thing. Um, so I'm not sure that you can point to one game where you know the wheels came off. That's that's what I'll say. Yeah, I mean, I think it. Yeah, because maybe it had, the it had hills and valleys, right? It went up and it down. Did. That's the so it's hard to be like, well, here's where. We hit the precipice and just had a steep decline here on out. Yeah. I think maybe the grimmest moment was our, what, 6-1 loss to Columbus. <laughs> that, it just felt, <laughs> yeah, where fans, you know, it, they say the hope kills you, but it's like, it's also when the despair kills you. Because that... That was just like, oh my god! Like, are we, are we this bad? Obviously, you know, we weren't. But right. yeah, it's uh, you know, without context, and you know, you just see that drubbing. Yeah, you know, it doesn't allow the the casual fans to get inspired. I mean, to, to give a to give a little bit more of an answer, I guess I, maybe I could say like, when Ozzy Alonso wasn't going to be regularly part of the the team essentially Mm. you i mean i know that's like fairly early on in the season where this happened um but i mean we were talking about earlier how much of a of a you know like a pylon player a cog who can be a veteran to keep a midfield together which clearly that was a massive issue we had so you know it could be you know a bit of that that's when maybe one wheel fell off but i don't know about all wheels Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it definitely, I think, uh, in our midfield, which was definitely the Achilles heel, uh, it was, uh, I think, important cog. So, uh, Okay, next question. Uh, Dayton Mucha asks, could we see a formation change next year where we overload the midfield? Uh, yeah, I think so. If you have, like what I was talking about with, with like an addition of a DP level midfielder to go with Tristan in some way, I think you can see a start to feed. Like, and if you have like a, you know, adding a fourth DP, 
you could see like a spine of DPs along the middle of the, the pitch. Um, and then so basically that will be your route one and then anytime you need it to change things up or you know the midfield's getting tired, you can go to the wings easy and they can bomb down with Wiley and Lennon. But you have your top players in the midfield, you're gonna go through the midfield a lot and you're gonna succeed a lot too. And that's what I'm hoping to see. I don't know if that necessitates a formation change or tactics or anything, but it's very possible. I don't know if Pineda's interested in doing that. Doesn't seem like he is, but you know, I think I think you can still play very effectively through the midfield with what we're already doing when you have a much better midfield. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I think it's a little bit uh, to add on to that. I think it's it's also um, like the formation is not really that important per se in like how they start. Right. Because the the crux of it, I think, is that the team is going to shift as the game goes on, and I think we saw that last season, or, or this season rather, that 2023 season. Uh, where Brooks Lennon, you know, he tucked in a little bit. Uh, he became a little bit more of an interior player at times, uh, but then also, you know, did his customary thing where he uh, goes out wide, goes to the byline, and, uh, you know, as well, I think a little bit where, you know, there's the early cross. Um, you know, I, I think you also see, uh, you know, kind of where Caleb Wiley, he also was able to, you know, come a little bit more central and... I think all those aspects, the fullback is almost like this auxiliary uh, kind of position in the modern game where you are seeing a lot of fullbacks play multiple positions throughout a match. And so, you know, we might be doing that with Caleb Wiley and Brooks Lennon. They seem like very astute uh, players that can take in information really well and quickly. But... As well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you see the the years in which some of the best teams in the world in, say, the Euros or World Cup, say, with Spain, where they played with, like, six or seven midfielders, essentially, uh, and sometimes without a striker. It's, uh, yeah, I think you'll see, you know, that onus on just making sure that you have that midfield locked down. Like, that's where you can really control games. And, yeah, you know, I I don't know if it's a formation change, per se, but I think, because I think we're going to line up 4-3-3 in the traditional sense of the, you know, how it shows on a social media graphic. But, you know, I think uh, Gonzalo Pineda, I'm seeing him learn some things from the world game as well. And I think he's incorporating a little bit of that. So, uh, hopefully he does... Yeah, you know, like, watch more Man City games. Watch more, you know, um, of the top coaches, you know, that... Uh, and it seems like maybe he is a little bit, but, um, yeah. Sure he is. As well. Yeah, but... Uh, anyway, so, next question comes from uh, Alex Brunel 8 Biggest weakness in the squad and biggest strength, I guess, of the players that are left, I would assume. Uh, oh, I, I, w- I would say probably goalie, maybe. Um, I mean, because, like, Rosetto goes by go-to answer, but he's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, our, and Miles is technically still here. 
Um, so I don't know. I mean, our defense is okay. So I, it's not terrible, but it's not great. Um, goalie, I think, does need to be improved. So I think mm-hmm. that's next uh, on my to-do list for you know the next yeah. season. And bigger strength. Biggest strength is... That's an interesting question. Um, a biggest mm-hmm. strength, I guess, would probably be our crossing to Yorgos. Probably be our be- biggest strength. Um, that's like a reliable mm-hmm. way for us to get on the board, despite mm-hmm. what the other team is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish he would do it a little bit more regularly. But it seems to be always a threat and always something that other teams know to look out for and to be wary of. So um, I think that's probably, to me, having something reliable to like pretty much say we're always a threat in this area, I think is a good thing to call strength. Yeah, that's a really, uh, really good shout on all that. Because, uh, yeah, I was thinking more like players, but yeah, you went with, uh, yeah, like, you know, kind of a way that we play and yeah no doubt actually like some of our most dangerous moments is finding the head of Yorgos Yakamakis so yeah that's uh I don't know if I can come up with something better than that that's like that's really I, I mean, good I think I, one another one of our strengths is kind of like an auxiliary uh, ancillary mm-hmm. thing is is Tiago's mm-hmm. free kicking ability Mm-hmm. He is, I think, the best in the league in terms of free kicks. So yeah, just even on set pieces in yeah. general. Yeah, like uh, it's like he he just is very very accurate on a very consistent level, and I think it's also yeah you know our uh, one of our biggest strengths as well is on the counter attack and especially with the players that we had. But I think it's also yeah if we keep Shonda Silva, I mean basically that front five if you will with uh, even with Tristan Muyumba like uh, yeah it's very deadly so yeah. Um, yeah that and then if you want to count Brooks Lennon at times it's like I mean we, we've got a lot of attacking and okay yeah even Caleb Wiley who yeah on a counter attack very very clutch like very clinical high scoring team and, yeah exactly so yeah but uh, next question comes from, let's see, AK Rutledge, twenty-four. Who's your unsung hero? Very good question. Unsung, um, I guess I would. I mean, I I really really like Caleb Wiley, just because of everything about him. Like in terms of how much money he takes up, which is not a lot. The fact yeah. that he's a homegrown, the fact that he's here playing for us and he puts it all on the line every game he's always coming with energy um i mean he scores goals he's exciting he runs and and takes on players you know he doesn't take anything from anyone i mean this is the kind of guy you want on your team so um and you know he doesn't score all the goals he doesn't always make the best defensive moves because he's still young he's still learning but He's such a good utility player, so I'm gonna say that he, because you know he doesn't show up on stat sheets all the time, so I'm gonna say that's why he's unsung, and I think he's a hero for all things I said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great show. Uh, I'm gonna go with his opposite number on the other side, Brooks Lennon. Yeah, but people and... talk about him all the time. 
Yeah. Not as a sung hero. <laughs> There's a lot of Mr. Most Assists or whatever, you know, like, you know, whatever it was he had. He had some kind of accolade in terms of assists. He did, but I mean, ultimately, I think if you ask the majority of LA United fans, they're not rating Brooks Lennon as one of their, like, favorite players. You know, they're not rating him as a guy that, okay, yeah, you know, like, uh, this is a guy that we need to build this team around. But he's steady. He's a guy that. You know, plays nearly every single minute. And, yeah, the double-digit assist count is incredible for a fullback. And, uh, yeah, you know, he has some defensive frailties, but, you know, ultimately, in MLS, I mean, if you can get a double-digit assist number from a fullback, from a defender, like, yeah, like, that, that's going to be something that, is an intangible and uh i think ultimately yeah most fans let's just be real they don't rate brooks lennon like that yeah well don't worry brooks we rate you like that possible captain next season brooks lennon so i would say yeah if uh if braguzan does not return brooks lennon is probably the natural heir as the captain so and he's been seen, you know, in uh, you know various social media stuff that he's that guy that is uh, sometimes leading that huddle. So, you know, like uh, he's becoming more of a, a vocal person as well. But uh, last question comes from Gavin is not the real one. Good old Gavin. Uh, he asks, if there was a dark horse player for Atlanta United in 2024... Who's that? Oh, you mean like a player who hasn't been contributing that much all of a sudden has a breakout season next season? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, let's see. It's a tough question. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, we can go through some some players. Uh, you know, players that haven't gotten a ton of playing time or uh, maybe are on the fringes right now. So, okay. Uh, Santiago Sosa yeah. is a player that is on the fringes. Uh, obviously... Fairly well played, or paid rather, but uh, a guy that obviously uh, saw a lot less playing time after that Inter Miami match. Um, you know, let's see as well. Um, maybe a Noah Cobb, maybe an Efren Morales, maybe uh, Edwin Mascara. Maybe he. Edwin Mascara, his breakout was the second half of the season, so he's already. Sure. I don't think he's a dark horse anymore. Well. Maybe he's a dark horse for a starting winger position. Hmm. I'm just gonna, just gonna let you marinate in that, I guess. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah, I mean it, it's tough. I mean, okay. Also, a Johnny Fortune. You yeah. know, I, yeah, a Johnny Fortune's spoke... a good idea. I think he's a good yeah. show because he's 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 perfect for developing and starting and you know getting minutes and really finding himself on the pitch at this high level um so that's it's exciting to watch him become the player he's going to be um in real time so i'm excited to see big things from him next season um also like Firmino could be interesting yep. mm-hmm. um just but like in terms of players who i like i 
So it's like I can answer this in two ways. Like one is like who's the most realistic ones, and those are the kind of the two realistic ones in my head. But the one I just I hope has a breakout season is like Abram because I just want yeah. him to be really good. I want mm-hmm. him to be very good and be that mm-hmm. solidifying back line presence that we desperately need, especially if Miles leaves. Yeah, I don't I think, think it'll happen, it but yeah, <laughs> like. I think it's okay with Abram. Does it become a thing where if we notice him more, that's not really a good thing when it's a defender, when it's a central defender? I mean, tough, but yeah, you know, because usually a quiet day from a defender is usually a good day. So yeah, Uh, I would I would agree that. You know, in the sense that Ajani Fortune, if he can have a really good season, uh, that obviously, I think, ups our chances immensely. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be seeing that much of him. Like, as, oh. we'll see him as a sub because mm. I think we're going to get a very, very good starter in that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But I will, we will see him as a sub, and I think he will make an impression. And he's going to de- continue to develop, and I'm, you know, I'm really excited to see how that goes because I think he has potentially a significant, you know, ceiling like Wiley or uh, Bello or things like that. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully he does. And uh, but uh, that is the mailbag, and it gets us into the season review. And joining us is. Drew from our Patreon, very, very stoked to uh, bring you on, and yes, we will talk through the 2023 season, And uh, but yes, Drew, welcome, how are you? Doing good, glad to be on here tonight, boys. Hell welcome, yeah, welcome. hell yeah, man. And uh, yeah, thank you for patiently waiting backstage, but uh, yeah, you know, the LA United season... Uh, yeah, we finished sixth in 2023 in the Eastern Conference. Win, loss, and draw record of 13, 9, and 12. 51 points. We, of course, dropped to the Columbus crew in the first round. But, yeah, you know, we had, uh, I think, a resurgence in the second half of the season. No pun intended. And the, yeah, I mean, just level of play really just immensely got better after the transfer window but yeah it's almost a a tale of almost two seasons maybe or two half seasons but yeah we will we will talk about uh pretty much a few of our favorite things and uh yeah we'll start with we'll start with uh maybe some uh maybe easier ones lob it up for you guys so Best attacker of the 2023 season. Drew. I'm going to go with uh, Yorgos. Yorgos came into this season and kind of took that seven shirt and filled in a spot. We didn't know if this was going to be filled. We didn't know what to expect for him, from him. And it was very much a seamless transition from Joseph to Yorgos. And I think he has a second gear as well. It, you gotta think, he came over from a, a long European season. 
he was probably tired. He was also injured throughout the season. Uh, I'm interested even more to see where he goes next season with us. It, it could be even better. And he should have a much scary. better team with him at his side now, too. Exactly. Okay. It, it's a scary prospect to see him firing all cylinders next year. That's a great, great show. Uh, Mike? Yeah, I think I'm going to answer this in like three ways, maybe. The first way is yes, um, definitely Yorgos is the most exciting in terms of like poaching, attacking, um, right there in the box, box in the box type of scoring stuff. Whereas, if you want to also answer in terms of like a player who's exciting and in, in, involved in the attack when it comes to taking on players, I think I'd shift that to Tiago. Um, that's exciting in terms of the attack because that's the kind of guy who opens up a lot of space on the pitch, either by beating his man or by making that long ball cross that opens up so much space. That is essential to Atlanta United's attack. So to me, it's exciting. That's a great attacker, a great attacking piece. Um, and yeah, maybe he doesn't like always get the ball and score like Yorgos tends to do, but he finds ways to make the play happen that ends up as a goal. Um, and that kind of attacking soccer is exciting to watch, especially because he's so damn talented. And then maybe third, I want to say from the defensive end, Tristan's ability to take on people as well is also very exciting to watch. He has no bones about trying to get up and make himself known in the attacking half. And when he goes at players, that's exciting because now that throws the other team out of whack because they have to adjust for a defender now running at them. Um, and that's always exciting too. So whenever I see these guys on the ball in terms of the attack, I get on board. I, you know, I uh, kind of move a little bit closer to the TV, get a little bit more like get focused. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I'm like, this is something interesting is going to happen here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, both uh, obviously, uh, you know, really great shouts, of course. Um, yeah, hard to pick between the two, obviously, but uh, I think for me, you know, Almada pips it just because, you know, he gets third in the MVP race for a reason. And uh, yeah, those assist numbers could could have been even higher. I mean, I say it's a, you know, there were, I think, moments where we weren't as clinical as we could be. But I mean, yeah, this this guy just ran the game for us. And I think it was evident in the, uh, you know, the Columbus game, the whole series, really, I say. Uh, that's, yeah, when he's on the pitch, he just makes us so much better. And, yeah, he just connects on everything a lot more. But, uh, okay, next is best defender. Drew. Uh, I'm going to go with somebody that kind of, I'm going to go with Abram. He came into this season as kind of a question mark. He... We didn't see him too much early on in the season, and when we did, it was really shaky. Then about halfway through the season, you saw him take over that starting role, and it kind of correlated with us picking up better form, getting a little bit better defensively, not to the level we should be, but a lot more stable, and it... It, he was starting to get very noticeable with 
some of his long balls and his defensive play. And I thought that him in the second half of the season just took over as basically the lead center back back there. So it, I'm interested to see what he does next year with us. So, Yeah, definitely. He solidified that left center back position uh, once he got into the side. And uh, yeah, Juanjo Parata, yeah, he became a ghost. It was... <laughs> Like, you just didn't hear about his name until, you know, he came on as a substitute in, you know. Or when you need to miss a penalty. Yeah, and that way. But, but yeah, Mike. Um, So, I'm going to say I think Miles just overall was our best defender. Um, Just because even when Miles is slightly checked out, he's still very good. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, overall speaking. But, I like, what Drew said is still 100% correct. Um, that doesn't take anything away from Abram, the fact that I think Miles was overall the best. But I do want to give a shout-out to Wiley in terms of his defensive efforts. Again, I just love Wiley. He's such a good player for us. And like I said, utilities all over the place, and his defensive actions need um, praise as well. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm on the record, and I'll stay on the record by saying... Caleb's ability to just boss people off of the ball, shoulder anyone. And I mean, that, if you're trying to get in a team's head to knock them off of their composure, you're just knocking guys into like the boards to the the pitch side advertisement boards. Like, it's just great to see that type of energy on the defensive end. And he does it on the offensive end as well. It's just, that's an energy leader kind of thing. That's charismatic. That's electric that gets players fired up that gets fans fired up so you know you know Messi, look out next season because he doesn't care how many uh you know ballon d'ors he's you've won he's just gonna put you into the grass yeah i mean yeah uh you guys said some yeah just spot on things uh i'll add that yeah it's probably uh yeah we know miles robinson is probably the best defender but uh, yeah, I think ultimately the standout for me is Caleb Wiley. I mean, uh, once he actually got into the you know the back line, uh, because of course Andrew Grootman was part of this side and played it pretty decently, of course. But uh, yeah, you know you saw the the defensive lapses when Grootman uh, maybe strayed too far forward. But Caleb Wiley, yeah, he was yeah I think sure. That made sure really to you know track back a lot more uh, and you know actually kind of not only improve defensively but he he became defensively sound in like making sure positionally for the most part he was uh, you know making sure that you know he marked the players properly and so that you know they would be in his pocket they couldn't get you know an easy chance from uh going at him like i think in terms of him winning duels like him being dribbled at i don't think he was dribbled past very much and so you know when you have a like at least two players on that back line that can you know handle that uh you know i think that's when we started to improve defensively but uh next is Favorite moment, Drew. Uh, 
I'm gonna go with uh, Machop Chol scoring his first goal in MLS. It was kind of a cool moment. I my first ever game I went to, I was gifted this Machop Chol scarf, and coming into the season, seeing him have more of a role on the team, and then seeing him get that goal in Toronto was a cool moment, honestly, for me and. I wish him all the best, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a great guy. Like, uh, like the team says, it's like it's everybody's best friend, and so it's yeah. I mean, you know, he uh, he's just a player that you you just can't help but root for him because yeah, you just see that he's always smiling. He's always you know cutting up with the uh, the rest of the group, but also yeah, he he has some very good ability. It's just a matter of, yeah, being able to, you know, maybe win a spot. That's probably his, yes, his biggest exactly. thing. Like, that's, he's got a tough road, obviously. But, uh, Mike. So, I'm going to cheat a little bit because my, um, my favorite moment is kind of almost like my favorite goal as well. So, I'm not going to mm. have them just double up. Okay. Um, right. I'll, I'll just go with the fact, like, just, it's not necessarily a moment. It's a moment in time. It's kind of a lengthy mm. one. Which is the entire mm. Miami game where we won at home. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. September 16th, that was the game where, you know, Atlanta United started to show that they had something again. It started to give people hope again. Um, started to make people think perhaps the Benz is a fortress again. Um, maybe we can do some damage in the playoffs. It was a really... Um, like it, it was, it was the game that really kind of turned things mentally for a lot of people uh, into the positive. So, you know, we were talking earlier about how, you know, was there like a moment where there was a negative precipice? But I think this was kind of the opposite. This was kind of the an ascendancy moment. Um, and so, yeah, I think for me, that was my, in totality of that game, was my favorite moment of the season. Mm, that's a great show. Uh... Yeah, I think for me, I think it's that uh, that Seattle Sounders game where you know we play very well away, and you know we're able to not only see like Yorgos Yakamakis, uh, you know, hit the back of the nuts, uh, but it's also I believe yeah Tristan Muyamba, you know, he was coming into the side as well, but he was yeah you know helping us solidify that midfield, and it just showed this kind of. Okay, yeah, we could we could maybe do something on the road now, <laughs> like something, and uh, yeah, to be able to get a uh, a win against a side that like currently you know, or at least you know uh, they made a pretty decent run in the playoffs. Like they they aren't a terrible terrible side, but uh, yeah, so I think you know for us to be able to get uh, points on the road, like I think it, it started to maybe make the season less dire yeah. so definitely was uh i think something that we needed for sure but uh okay next favorite goal true first game of the season tiago almada 98th minute versus san jose that that whole sequence of us being down one nothing to winning two one in stoppage time was incredible. 
I lost my mind watching that second goal go in. And it was an incredible start to the season. Maybe a little nerve wracking, but it was an exciting moment just to start our season with a bang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. It, everyone will probably remember where they were at when uh, he hit it from the parking lot. And it's, yeah, just, man. Like, impossible, really, how well he hit that. That swerve, that swaz, it is. It was insane. incredible. World yeah, world class. It's a. Uh, it, the hard part here is choosing a goal beyond this one. <laughs> so, Mike, do you yeah. have the same goal? I, I or do have it... the same goal. Uh, but yeah. if I had to do a runner-up, it'd probably be the 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 just the the howitzer against Portland from Tiago as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably, yeah, most of these goals are probably going to be, uh, yeah, Thiago Amato's, I mean, it's just, in the, in the sake of being different, I'll go with this. Yorgos Yakumakis, uh, his goal against DC when he uh, was able to uh, pretty much take uh, it off the keeper. The angle. And then, yeah, and that angle is ridiculous. Like, I mean, yeah, it was the front post, but... Still, I mean, it's like I, I argue that's even harder a little yeah. bit. But yeah. that was a Joseph Martinez goal. That was just like the oh, yeah. angle is just impossible, and he somehow nailed it. Yeah, and from outside the box, and it's just yeah, and you know he uh, he kind of, I mean, every every celebration of his is pretty uh, it's pretty filled with swagger. But uh, this one, he was just like it was so cold his his celebration. It was very Joseph Martinez esque as well. But, uh, you know, stood there, looked at the crowd, and just, like, soaked it up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, okay. Now. Said, did nobody remember, did, did nobody go with the Barry goal? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a great shout, but it's just, I think, you know. Yeah. It's. <laughs> I was like, expecting somebody to pop up with that because yeah. it, it came out of nowhere. Well yeah, yeah, very well hit. I mean, it, it could be, like, a a most incredulous moment yeah. because it's like the least likely person on the pitch to score a banger like that. Yeah. And... I, th- I think it's also because of the fact that we left that game with like a kind of a uh, yeah. bad taste yeah. in our mouths because uh, right. we should have won that game. Right. It was a bit of a consolation. And, yeah. Uh, at that point, it's like, yeah, uh, <laughs> Miguel Berry, uh, <laughs> yes, you know, much maligned but thank you for that goal. But, uh, yep. All right. Cooking it up afterwards. <laughs> exactly. Yep, 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 yep. But, okay, let's get into the grade for the season. And so A through F, we will, yeah, decide what we thought of the season and give our reasons why. So, Drew. I went ahead and gave us a B. Because... I. Uh, our goal coming into the season was top four playoff spot. We did not get to it. We made a playoff spot, though. Our season is basically a tale of two different halves of our season. It's the first half of the season, which is struggles all throughout, up and down play, 
and then you go into your second half after uh, getting knocked out by Miami and um, I can't remember who who else we played, but uh, we came back. Yeah, Crucisville, thank you. But we came back and showed a different style of play with the different people we brought in and it we looked like a different team from that point on and I think if we would have had those players to start the season I don't think a top four finish is out of the question I would second or third is a very real possibility for the team we had starting the playoffs it, it it sucks that we weren't able to beat a very strong Columbus team in the playoffs and we just gotta regroup in this offseason and bring the guys that we have now we gotta bring them back and go from there add on to it and make a make it an even better team and again push for a top four finish next year mm-hmm. yeah i mean uh i don't know if the yeah like if mike and myself will be as generous uh for the season but i mean it's like yeah like b i think it is like it's it's within well within the shout i think of that like where yeah i mean it's how forgiving MLS is. Like that's that's just like the period. I mean, it's just like, yep, you can you can pretty much like uh, almost fail your way uh, through most of the season, but yep, you'll find a way in the playoffs. It's like, okay, all right, well, yep, not the worst season, and uh, there's no relegation, obviously. So mm-hmm. yeah. you, uh, it's almost consequentless. To a degree, yeah. But at least with well, I think the consequence is losing casual fans. I think that should be probably the uh, the thing that like uh, clubs should be looking at, where they're like, oh, okay, yeah, our our finances are taking a little bit of a hit. We should do something. But I digress. I think. Uh, anyway, yeah, Mike, great for the season. So our expectations with this club are to be able to compete for championships every year, regardless of everything that's going on. Um, obviously, we attempted to with the playoffs and our, when we went to these rare, various tournaments, but we got knocked out in the first round of every tournament we were in this year. Um, that is a resounding failure on the team. They were able to make it into the playoffs, so there's some you know, solace there. Um, but again, first round knockout. They were able to claw their way back into the playoffs after being in kind of a scary position for a little while, uh, iffy position. And I mean, with the personnel and the way we were trending on the field, it definitely looked like there was a possibility that Steam is just not good enough. Um, you got the mid-season additions. Things started to turn around. That's some character on the team. That's some ability to come back um i wasn't as worried that pineda's tactics or his, his, his coaching was like 100 the problem or the the issue um because it's like okay well th- we are starting to see some things come together some things start to work a bit um 
He just needs more tools. He needs a little bit more time with the team. So, you know, overall, I'm going to give the team a B minus for the season. Um, it could have gone C plus, but I think B minus um, because man, you you can't even sniff at an A when you get knocked out of every tournament in the first round. That's just unacceptable. If you mm -hmm. win one tournament, you know, outside MLS Cup, I would say like, okay, you can sniff it like an A minus, maybe a B plus. But if you get knocked out each one, I mean, that's just unacceptable. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's pretty damning uh, that bit that we got knocked out in the first round in every competition, every comp competition. So, yeah, uh, you know, I think with that as well, you have. The roller coaster of a season that we had. Um, I mean, yes, you have some some players that uh, are at MLS best eleven level. Uh, you have a lot of just ridiculous wins at the bends where uh, it's improbable, and we are able to, yeah, you know, kind of show this resilience that you know we'll never say die. Uh, you know, we won one playoff game. Although it's not winning the series, I mean it's not an abject failure, but yeah, like you're saying, Mike, with you know not hitting our goals, which is yeah having home field advantage in the playoffs, uh, which also I mean you know realistic or unrealistic, uh, that's what was set out and said by the team, um, you know, in in yesteryear, of course, you know our goal most years was to win MLS Cup. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's... I think it's a C-. minus. It's just, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's not... It's not a great season. Uh, but, you know, sixth isn't the worst. We were able to surge really well. But, yeah, I think, you know, you... It, it's a bit of underperformance uh, when you have not only two MLS Best 11 players, but you also have, you know, one of those players essentially uh, carrying the team for most of the season. It's just, yeah, I shudder to think if Almada wasn't even on the team, like, what kind of season we would have had. Like, if we, say, swapped him out for a Marcelino Moreno or something. Like, holy, holy shit. <laughs> what a season that would have completely been upside down pretty much I'd say so uh, yeah you know C minus I think yeah obviously the lowest of of the three of us but it's I don't know I, I C feel like uh, pretty bad <laughs> yeah seems pretty I mean it's passing <laughs> D is still passing but you know like there were some dire moments this season where you know like, I think the I think that represents kind of excitement level for, for some of the fans because, yeah, I mean, I just saw a lot of it, you know, in terms of that. Like, that's just, you know, you uh, you kind of get the temperature of the team most weeks by uh, kind of the comment sections on, the, on just, yeah, any of any of the stuff that we post, but also checking out, you know, LA United's stuff. It's just like, you can kind of kind of get a uh, an overall uh, temp it's on that. it's kind of weird. It's kind of like you kind of almost have to 
grade both halves of the season and then take the average because it's like the mm. second half is kind of like a like at times it's like a b plus and then yeah, the, the the first half of the season is like a c minus you kind of like average them together it's kind of like a c plus in a way so mm. it's like it's yeah. you know i don't know i would say i would say the first half is probably like a d like <laughs> yeah it was bad in the first yeah. half of the season yeah. It, yeah. it was rough to watch Yes, it's like, you know, saying like entertainment value, it's like, okay, yeah, at home, fantastic. But there's a reason why that those away games, like, probably weren't very well watched. I mean, it's... <laughs> and on top of that, yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them can be on, like, weekdays and, you know, at some kind of, you know, the time that they never say that it is, uh, and... <laughs> It's yeah. just like, you know, MLS do better in that respect because, yeah. Do you like think the, they'll have the same time slots? Do you think it's going to be like 70, 30 games all yeah. season long again? I don't think it's the, the time that's the issue. It's the actual time that they actually kick off. That's the issue. Yeah, well, I'm asking though. Yeah. Do you think it's yeah. going to be yeah. those times? Or do you think you're going to see like early afternoon games again? Hmm. I think so. I, I think can take they did my well family it. to a game final. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think no. I I, I think they, they like the seven thirty on a Saturday or like seven p.m. on a Saturday um, for you know the consistency mm-hmm. and for uh, fans to know at least uh, anyone that's paying attention. I guess um, the casual fans they'll always ask probably still, but. Uh, yeah, I think it's ultimately that there's, you know, there's something that they're trying to build of like, oh yeah, you know, like MLS Saturdays, that's when you tune in, you know, and to be fair, yeah, a lot, a of, lot of Europeans watching Messi exactly. though. Yeah, there's that, but there's yeah. also, you know, I think the aspect that it's like this in most of the other countries as well, where the teams will play at the nighttime, like it's not, you know, some of these. Some of these were like 1 p.m. kickoffs, you know, in yesteryear, and those are weird. Like that. I just I like, remember the 9 a.m. kickoff from the 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 COVID Cup. You remember that? Oh yeah, that was yeah. Wild watching that. It's like, yeah. Do you, do you actually want people to be watching this? I mean, yes, a lot of people yeah, are home. Get but... it? It was a <laughs> pandemic and things were different. But anyway, right. I'm just trying to help our good friend over in Greece, Terrafes, who's watching. Um, I want you to not have to stay up until like 7 a.m. or whatever it is to watch these games that are, I don't know what the time difference is, but it's massive. Yeah, it's, it's truly incredible. Yeah, like each and every one of you that is not in the United States and are watching uh, LA United games at wee hours of the night or morning, uh, I mean, it's just, wow. More power to you. And uh, yeah. You know, there's a, this whole stigma in Europe where, oh, like, okay, you know, the fans that go to all the games, like, they're the true fans, blah, blah, blah. But it's, you know, I think it's the same same thing with uh, fans from abroad of those same teams. It's like, uh, there's arguably more dedication yeah. to staying up or waking up early or any of that. Like, early on in the Atlanta United uh, fan sphere, there were fans, a supporters group in Australia. So it's just like, 
that's <laughs> that's 12 hours like you know that, that's that's probably as hardcore as it gets in terms of you know that type of thing so yeah. shout out to the Atlanta United diaspora or diaspora yeah exactly so but uh, let us know what you guys would grade the season in the comments below and uh, that pretty much is the episode except for the question of the day and the question of the day is what's your faith level in Garth Lagerway yeah just uh, let us know kind of what your thoughts on if he can bring us to the next level into a deep playoff run an MLS Cup win other cup wins yeah let us know in those comments below and that's it for us today remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already share this episode and leave us a review and ratings so we can pop up higher in your rankings and for Michael and Drew I'm AJ thanks so much for listening alright <laughs>